experts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. You might have heard it before. Monkeys are better stock pickers. That was started by a Princeton economist, Bert Malkiel. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. He's famous for suggesting that blindfolded monkeys throwing darts at the stock pages of a newspaper could build a portfolio that would do just as well as one chosen by expert money managers. I was going through some old research I had filed away here, came across a study I saved, which indeed suggested that blindfolded monkeys may do better than big institutional investors, not on the buy side, but on the sell side. These researchers from MIT, the University of Chicago, Carnegie Mellon, big names, right? Well, these academics looked at more than 4 million trades from almost 800 portfolios over a period of about 15 or 16 years, and they found that institutional investors, they cost themselves as much as 1% per year as compared to a strategy of simply selling holdings at random. The reason why? Asymmetric allocation of cognitive resources. I love to say that. In English, that means that investors spend way more time analyzing what to buy than what to sell. Over my 20 plus years of managing money, I can tell you that's exactly what I see. So I think there are two things that we can take away here. One is that you need a strategy for selling. Most individual investors, well, they don't have a sell strategy. I suggest you have your sell strategy set when you buy the stock. And number two, well, having a drunk monkey throwing darts in a room with you is not and I repeat, is not the preferred strategy on the buy side. Not after what happened last time. On the buy side, when I'm looking and researching a company, I'm looking at two things. One, is it a good business? In other words, do they have a great management team, leadership? Do they have good end markets, right? They're not selling buggy whips. And then question number two, how much do I want to pay for the company? That second question what do I want to pay for this business, requires you to figure out what the business is worth. And then I would suggest that you pay far less for it than what you think. And that's just to give you a margin of safety in case you screw up your calculations on what the business is worth. I'm always saying, I'm trying to buy a dollar for 70 cents and turn around and sell it for a dollar and a quarter sometime in the future. And as I said, I would suggest the time to decide when to sell is the same time you decide to buy. By the way, no monkeys are ever harmed in the construction of our portfolios. Welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner and financial advisor here at the XML Financial Group. Got a question? Well, email me. You can send it to podcast, which is plural, podcast at xmlfg.com or if you're looking for a conservative value manager, give us a call. Our number is 301-770-5234. Once again, 
301-770-5234. Most of you know that I'm a value geek from way back. So today, I thought I'd spend a little time on philosophy and later I'll give you a couple of ideas you might want to research and see if they make sense for your portfolio. Baseball is almost back. Washington Nationals open up Thursday night or Thursday. I'm not sure if it's night or not, but Thursday against the Yankees. Warren Buffett used to use a baseball analogy all the time to articulate the discipline of value investors. He said, a long-term value investor is like a batter in a game where no balls or no strikes are called. There's no umpire, no balls, no strikes. Value investors allow dozens, even hundreds of pitches to go by, including a lot of pitches that other batters would probably swing at. As a value investor, you have to be a student of the game. You have to learn from every pitch, which ones to swing at, which ones to let go. And you can't be influenced by the way others around you are performing. They're motivated by their own results. You have to have patience and be willing to wait until you're thrown a pitch that you can handle or that undervalued investment opportunity is really what I'm talking about. Meaning, I don't think it's smart to invest in businesses that you don't understand or even ones that are excessively risky. A lot of investors feel compelled to be fully invested at times. They act like the umpire is calling balls and strikes, mostly strikes, and forcing them to swing at almost every pitch, foregoing batting selectivity for frequency. A lot of individual investors, like amateur ball players, they simply can't distinguish a good pitch from a wild one. But they take solace in knowing that most of the market participants feel compelled to swing just as often as they do. For a value investor, a pitch not only has to be in the strike zone, it has to be in the sweet spot. Your results are going to be a whole heck lot better when you're not pressured into investing prematurely, like you feel like you're missing out. Don't ever feel like you're missing out. There are going to be times when you don't even lift that bat off your shoulder. Remember, the cheapest stock in an overvalued market may still be overvalued. You don't want to settle for an investment that you think is going to offer a relatively safe 10% return if you thought another stock is offering an equally safe 15% return is going to materialize here in the near future. An investment has to be, has to be purchased at a discount from what you think its underlying value is. This makes it a good absolute value. But being good absolute value alone isn't enough. You have to choose only the best absolute values among those that are currently out there. Stock trading at half its underlying value might be attractive, but another one trading at a fourth of its value is an even better bargain. I would suggest that you continually compare potential new investments with your current holdings in order to make sure that you own only the most undervalued opportunities available. Don't be afraid to look at your current holdings as new opportunities come along, even if that means realizing losses on the sale of your current holdings. In other words, 
none of your investments should be considered sacred when a better one comes along. Sometimes a dozen good pitches are going to come at you. In panicking markets, for example, the number of undervalued stocks, well, they increase and the degree of undervaluation grows. In buoyant, rip-roaring markets, both the number of undervalued stocks and their degree of undervaluation goes down. When attractive opportunities are, are, say, plentiful, well, sift through all the bargains for the ones that are most attractive. When the attractive opportunities are scarce, well, you should be self-disciplined. Don't swing at bad pitches. Let's talk about the market for a second. Seems to me that every day becomes more and more disjointed. Measures of investment psychology are moving in the direction of extreme optimism, which from a contrarian standpoint, suggests a market pullback. The Chicago Board of Options Exchange, their volume statistics show an unusual overweight to call buying. Optimism can be found in the record number of IPOs and secondary offerings, which you don't see at market bottoms. Investors Intelligence, or what I call II, they track the opinion of Wall Street letter writers, and it shows about 58% of them are bullish. A reading above 60%, well, that's often led to short-term market corrections. So the yellow flag is waving there. On top of that, a declining number of stocks within the S&P 500 index are trading above their 50 and 200 day moving averages. When you have fewer stocks participating in the rally, well, the rally usually isn't sustainable. Looking back, it was the technology sector that led the market higher in the second quarter of this year. Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Apple, they're all at or close to their all-time highs, and history has shown that precipitous moves up in a concentrated sector like technology eventually leads to dramatic pullbacks. Be careful. These handful of names are making up a huge percentage of the indices now, to the point where it's making me uncomfortable. Now, there's no doubt about it. Growth in technology has soared since the onset of the pandemic, You know, we're working from home, we're having virtual business meetings, live streaming events, and of course, we're shopping online. And all this is likely to become a bigger and more permanent part of our lives. I do think having a portion of your portfolio in the growth of your names is appropriate, but you should be mindful of how much exposure you want to devote to this sector. The chart shows us, or the charts show us, There's a huge gap in performance between growth and value now. It has been for a while. Now, I'm not a big fan of these growth versus value indexes, mainly because their definition of value isn't mine. Anyway, we talk about that at some other time. But what it does say is that stocks have been ignored for the sole reason money's been pouring into the names of what's been working. Let me give you a couple before I have to get out of here. Things that I think are attractive. RTX, Raytheon. That's what I think it's interesting under $60. I went through it a couple of shows ago, and you might want to go back and listen to that. 
if you're on the conservative side, and maybe even if you're not, how about AT&T, symbol T? The stock is trading around $30. Now, I, I only think AT&T is only going to grow 2 or 3% over the next few years, but it's paying darn near a 7% dividend. You put that growth, that 2 or 3%, and the dividend of 7%, you put those two together, and that ends up being a decent type of total return assuming no change in the multiple multiple, or what people are willing to pay for a dollar of their earnings. And it's trading about as cheap as it's been over the last 15 years. I talked about Cisco, symbol CSCO last week. That looks like an inexpensive tech name to me, and it's paying better than a 3% dividend too. I think there are a lot of dividend names that are being overlooked. And don't forget, over long periods of time, Dividends can make up a significant portion of a portfolio's overall returns. Okay, I'm out of time. We'll be back next week. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. This is Eric Whiteman, and this has been Common Sense Investing. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.